still didn't do anything with the beard. No. Why? Barely combed it this morning. Really? Yeah. Is it laziness? Yeah, it's just, you know, this is a look, too, just to have kind of an unkept, gnarly beard. According to who? GQ magazine. GQ? Yeah, I think. You read GQ? I have a subscription, yeah, online. Do you really? No. <laughs> they even make GQ anymore? I don't know. What does GQ stand for? Guy's Quarter? Is it? I don't know. I'm asking. Glam, glam, glamour something, maybe? Glamour for a dude? No way. Uh, Let's I mean, Google it. This fact checker. GQ magazine stands for Gentlemen's Quarterly. Wow. I said Guy's Quarterly. I should have got Gentlemen. Did they only put it out every quarter? They must have. Huh? Or is it monthly? I don't even know. I, I honestly don't think I've ever looked at it. How good are these freaking original rotisserie chicken strips from Jack Link's? I was gonna eat two of them. It's 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 like the paper wrap chicken from uh, a Chinese restaurant. No, I'll have one afterwards. Or were you are buying, aren't you buying lunch after? Yeah. Where? I was thinking about that on the way over. I don't know. Sushi. I was gonna say sushi, but we had a mundane experience. I don't know. I don't. Do you think it was a once in a lifetime deal? I didn't like the octopus that day. They say you shouldn't eat sushi on Saturdays in places that aren't by the ocean. Ocean, yeah. Because, really? Because they get hammered on Friday night? Well, and there's no deliveries on Saturday, so the fish, at a minimum, they they always say that they get deliveries like Mondays and Wednesdays or something. Who knows if this is true? But so by Saturday, that fish is two or three days old, you know, which raw fish makes a difference. I don't know. It's all frozen. You think? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be. I think by health standards, you have, I mean, if you go out on your boat and you're fishing, you can pull it out of the water and eat it. I'm not saying you can't eat tuna. I've done it many times. But I think for a restaurant, it has to be frozen first. Oh, you do? For USDA or, um, I don't know that. I don't know 100%, but uh, I would think that uh, all the fish that we eat, no matter what day it is, and I know we get a lot of constant deliveries in this area because of the casino industry. But I think, and they're piggybacking off of that casino delivery, but I would imagine that most of it's frozen before it ever gets cut by a sushi chef and put on your plate for you to dip into your soy wasabi creation. That makes sense. But, well, well, I guess two different things, because, you know, in and out touts that they never freeze their meat or their French fries or anything. That's why their expansion towards us was so long in the making because they couldn't figure out how to get the beef here unfrozen. There's no way. That's that many say. hamburgers that they sell every day in California, Nevada, and Arizona, you think that none of that beef's frozen? Supposedly not. So they're killing that many cows? They're just killing – they have that many cows at, just dying every day to keep beef fresh? Oh, yeah. Because on a steer, you get about 300 pounds, 250 to 300 pounds of ground beef, depending on how big that steer is. That's about a 1,300-pound steer. Which is normal butcher weight. You get 300 pounds off, but they probably ground. They might. Darn it just near depends on where they're right? getting their beef. I don't know what ranch or if they're raising their own or if they're getting it from a California rancher, which I'm sure they are. And it's a, they're a great burger, but I'm saying that's a lot of fresh beef. And I know there's restaurants like one offs that will say, we want beef fresh every week. We don't want it to be frozen. We want to serve Wendy's fresh used steaks. to say it too. 
No, they used to say, where's the beef? And it was usually in no, the freezer. Fresh, never frozen. That's Wendy's slogan, too. Really? I thought yeah. it was, where's the beef? Back in the day, it was, where's the beef? That, that was definitely their marketing thing, but they always used to say they never froze their patties. It would be interesting to know. I mean, you know more about that process than me, being that you're in the beef industry, but would a, would a company like In-N-Out only buy, or would the people selling to In-N-Out, they would never ground a whole cow right i mean no they, not the ribeyes and the new yorks and the briskets and so i mean you could do the stew meat and the shoulders right. and the flanks and and the and the you know the roasts if you want you can get all that ground and, so and, i wonder what happens to all the steaks that don't go to in and out you know what oh, i mean i'm sure that i'm sure if they're high end enough cattle they go to a nice restaurant if they're not then they'll go to a supermarket to for a 5.99 a pound sale or 7.99 a pound sale our beef's about 28 dollars a pound at retail is it really yeah that's some fancy beef. It's not Wagyu. I mean, it's pretty fancy. It's worth it, though. It's. I made a bolognese last night, dude, with our ground beef. I, here, here's how – here's here's what I'm going to say first. This is another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody, breaking it down with Chad and Alex. Are we going to break down food today? It I think feels so. like we're well, going that I, way. I think we are for a minute. Breaking it down is brought to you by Jack Daniels, an American icon, an American tradition. The American Jack Daniels Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey Culture is amazing. It's amazing what they've done all. I think Jack Daniels is sold in 170 countries all over the world. It's the most amazing whiskey I've ever tasted, and I mean that. The Gentleman, the Single Barrel, the Jack, the Black Seven, the Apple, the Tennessee Fire, the Honey. They are all so good. The Sinatra, the Gold. I'm a big fan. You can mix them, Jack and Coke. You've heard it here on Breaking It Down with Chad and Alex, how we've talked about the bar scene and the most popular cocktails. I still can't believe that a margarita is in the top three at a bar, at a bar. That just, that's weird to me. Um, Your brother besides that, that, my brother does that. He makes those numbers go up is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. He would agree. Today's episode of the podcast, Breaking It Down with Chad and Alex, is also brought to you. We just mentioned them. American Almond Beef, American Almond Beef, AmericanAlmondBeef.com. The famous, the world famous almond beef burger. Absolutely amazing. I was just telling Alex I made a bolognese sauce last night, and I am a huge believer in this. Better ingredients make for a better eating experience. And the olive oil we used last night, the garlic we used last night, the cheeses we used last night, we used the Romano cheese, we used the Parmigiano cheese, um, the, the onions, the pepperoni that I put in this, and then the American almond beef, the ground beef that we use, the mushrooms that we use are Italian porcini mushrooms straight out of the homeland. They're $80 or $80 a pound at retail. Alex, they're $18 a pound. $18 for a quarter pound, or you can get a full pound for 80 bucks. Save a little bit of money, or maybe it's 70 bucks. You save a little bit if you buy a full pound. Um, but they're hard to get. And I use them, they're dry, and you rehydrate them with water, and you just keep stirring them and simmering them in hot water, and then add a little bit of water as you go. And then you can drain the excess water at the end of the hour, hour and a half, and then put those mushrooms into the sauce right at the very end so they don't cook down too much. But I did a three-day bolognese sauce where I started 72 hours before yesterday with all the, the olive oil with the vegetables and, and cooking down the tomatoes and everything, stirred it occasionally on a real low simmering heat. And then on the on the after 48 hours, I added I browned the ground beef with a provider rub called Drop Tine. Got it brown, but to a medium rare, which you serve beef at about 160 degrees if you're going to eat a hamburger. I like him at about 152, 153. <laughs> browned it put it in the sauce and then let that simmer another 24 hours. 
at the end of that, that's when I put the mushrooms in right before we served it. And I just think that a better eating experience, like we talked about sushi, <coughs> it's not COVID. My call, I, I'm getting choked up thinking about sushi. I just get so <laughs> choked up. It's a better eating experience, in my opinion, with better ingredients. And I think you being in the restaurant industry a little bit that you are, I think that you know this, that you can't get the best quality without cooking with the best quality. You can't taste the best quality. So this American Almond Beef Burger, I'm telling you, it is a different kind of eating experience. When you eat the hamburger, blows your mind. If you if you just chop it up and put it with some eggs, blows your mind. If you cook it into a sauce like I did, it just makes that sauce and gravy better. And everybody at the table last night like, wow, that's freaking killer. People would argue and say you can go buy the cheapest ground beef in the world for $1.50 a pound and have the same experience. And I would say, no, you can't. If no. you add a ton of salt and a ton of stuff, but if you're cooking a real bolognese sauce, you want fresh ingredients. And that's why in Italy, when you go over there, it's all it's a lot farm to table, man. They go they're, right from the market to the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, they're always getting fresh vegetables every day and, and and fresh garlic and fresh meats. And you go to the bakery in the morning at 4 a.m. and get your bread, yeah. you know, and it's first coming off. And then you start eating it with Nutella right then on the beach if you're partying in Italy. I've done it. But, you know, you wait until the bakery opens, go gets it get some Nutella spread on there. I just think that better ingredients make for better food. So our podcast is brought to you by American Almond Beef from the ribeyes to the New Yorks, to the filet mignons, to the briskets, to the burger, to all of the cuts at AmericanAlmondBeef.com. I'm telling you, try it. It's worth every penny. I know that y'all out there want to know where your food comes from. That's why I hunt. I want to know where my food comes from. I don't want it pumped full of steroids and enzymes. I want it fresh. And I'm telling you, if you get this story ingrained in your head of how we're finishing these beef from 900 to 1300 pounds. The steers are treated so ethically, morally correct. And this proprietary blend of food of almond, just there's, I I can't tell you the ingredients, but the base of it is almond holes and it's a sweetness. There's some sugar in there. You know what I mean? And it does have a nice sweetness. It's good. So anyway, that's our sponsors. That's our partners, Jack Daniels, American Almond Beef. And I did mention Jack Links because I'm getting ready to tear into one, Alex. And speaking of food, I'm going to let you talk, but I'm on this fasting deal six days a week, intermittent fasting for 16 hours a day. And then twice a month, I do a 24-hour fast. 24 hours? With not one calorie put in my body. Black coffee. A Coke Zero, no, no calories can go in my body for forty-eight hour, or for twenty-four hours. I'm getting trying to get the guts to do a forty-eight hour to see if I can do it. Just Remind me on, not to come over when you do that. Just live on water for a couple of days. So at noon every day, which right now it's eleven twenty, I'm gonna I'm gonna open this nice bag of remember when Happy Gilmore's like this subway foot long. <laughs> this bag right here, this jalapeno, Jack Links. You want to try one? No. When I open it, I might let you. But Jack Links, thank you for supplying us with all of our high-protein I'm just going to throw this out there to everyone that's been listening. You're not drinking. You're intermittent fasting. You're 24-hour fasting. You're looking at, you are going to be a pleasure to be around come about March 25th. Yeah, but I'm done with it. When I get to Georgia on my turkey hunts, I get there on the 28th. I have three more days to hang out with Brad Arrington. I'll be turkey hunting every day. Can't have one beer until midnight on April 1st. Are you going to intermittent fast on those days too? Is yeah. it what, is internet? Does it count if you're asleep? Mm-hmm. Oh, so you just go to bed. So it's not as bad as it it's sounds. Eight, it's, you can't have one calorie after 8 p.m. 
Right. And you can't have one until noon. That's 16 hours. So you can't wake up. Every day you wake up literally starving. Oh, yeah. That's hard. But it's the pressure. Like John Kerry described on the podcast one day, it's putting pressure on you. Like, can you do it? Can you wake up? Like when I woke up today, I woke up at 530. And the first thing I wanted to do was eat. My daughter woke up with me. She, not that early, but a couple hours later, the first thing she did was eat. And I don't expect a 10-year-old. Did you cook her breakfast? Like, of course, dude. So, you gotta, so then you can't eat it and you're cooking too? That's tough. I'm cooking it and I'm smelling. I'm cooking a wild goose sausage that we did with Remy. And we freaking, I mean, Clay's really good at this processing stuff and the flavors we used. But I used I used this maple bacon flavor that we did on this this snow goose. It's snow goose and, and Canada's mixed. And we used all that meat stuff to process it. And it's unbelievable. You should take a package home and throw it down with some eggs. But I just did it. She likes scrambled eggs. She doesn't like it mixed like I do. But I cook the eggs separate. Then I put the eggs in and then a layer of hash browns and then a layer of goose sausage in a bowl. And she just slams it. Mm. But she doesn't like it all cooked together. I like it all cooked together. So do I. I like a, what do you call that? A mash like a scramble, up, a scramble or something like that. Yeah. You put are a little Denny's cheese on guy. it. You look like a Denny's guy. Never eat at Denny's. Grand Slam scramble. Maybe when I was in my 20s, go there at about 3 in the morning. I, ate there, on, I ate there two years ago on the way back from Canada in Montana. It was the only place open during a snowstorm. I ate at one like three or four years ago in Arizona after elk hunting. It was actually pretty good, but I'd also been out for three or four days without any kind of foods, you know? Oh, shit. Two years ago, we ate it at spring training. We ate it every year at spring training when we first get oh, into, that's the, right. into the valley. Remember? That's like our, our tradition. We slept in their parking lot a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, because remember? we're so tired and hungry. <laughs> by the time we pull in there, we always hammer that. It's right there by surprise, kind of close to where the Royals are. Yep. Right in that same vicinity. But Man. food, like this, this. Um, do you agree of the, you're not a cook, right? You don't cook much, but you hang out with cooks. Would I've you, been triggering you, a lot lately. You have? I made I made a clam chowder a couple a uh, couple weeks ago. On I've the been trader? cooking more, yeah. Well, so, so you smoke the clams in the cream right. of all things, and then you you, you could I guess you could have cooked it all the way on the Traeger, but uh, I didn't want to stay. It's not all that warm here yet, so I didn't want to stand outside through the process of the bacon and all that stuff. So I just did the rest inside, but it was really good. What? Tell me what's in it. Like, what you got? You put potatoes in it? Yeah, yeah. So you smoke the clams for like 30 minutes, and then you uh, add the cream, and you smoke that mixture together for like 30 minutes. So the cream and the clams get the smoke, and then, you know, you do saute onions and bacon together and cube up potatoes, and uh, then you you start mixing it all back together, you know, and uh, – you add in more cream and some of that clam juice that came off the clams when you open the cans, you know? So it's base. it's, there's not a ton of ingredient ingredients in it. Um, but it's, it was really good. And like I said, it got, you know, a little bit of that smoky flavor from the clams and the cream and then all the clam juice and bacon and potatoes and then bay leaves and some other, you know, salt and pepper and stuff like that. But yeah, it came out good. You did this. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Did you have Jillian standing by you? She was there, yeah. Well, was she doing it? Hey, Be honest. It's not all that this hard. This does not sound like you at it's all. It's not all that hard if to follow. If it doesn't a, say top or ramen in it, I don't see you cooking cereals it. Cereals so. and sandwiches. <laughs> I tell you, I think I've said it before, man. That I, that Traeger app is legit. It's awesome, ain't it? You, I literally just follow the you know the recipes on there, but uh, but yeah. So I've been doing that kind of stuff, but I am not a good cook. I don't understand the fundamentals of cooking 
you know, like you do. I, I don't, I get it, but I don't, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you how to start, you know, a, a meal from scratch without looking at a recipe, you know, how, what Well, cooks. that's what's good about what we're doing with the provider, because a lot of people, especially me, a lot of people I know take it for granted that people don't cook like I do. Right. Or like, you know, Clay does or how my dad did. There was never a following a recipe. It was always making you up, making your recipe up as you went. And then people going, well, what'd you put in this? Or what can I get that recipe? And you not being able to tell them. I know. Because the recipes measurements and how many people are you going to feed and how much of this and how much of that. And when do you add it? And what's the temperature of the water when you do this? And I just do it all by sight, feel, aroma, passion, you know, what I'm, what I'm, you know, how I'm feeling that day, the mood I'm in, like, if I think that this sauce needs a little bit more cracked red pepper, like that sauce had some of that in it, then you need to, I add a little bit more. If I think that it's going to be mainly adults eating it and they're going to have a little bit more of a pop to it, then I'll add that in there. But I think that cooking is one of those deals to where it's kind of like art, I guess. 100%. If you care about it, it's almost like mechanics. Anything that you're – like we talked about Jesse James. That dude wasn't just a mechanic. He's an artist, right? Right. He, he built motorcycles out of love and passion and, and just kept that going through his knives and his handguns and his guns that he builds now. But I think cooking's the same way. Like do you like – do you like – do you like – have a strong palate for a lot of different foods can like clams are a strong food. Like you have to have a different palate. Do you like anchovies? Can you dump some anchovies into some, into some parsley? Like I did this thing the other day that the part of Chelly family taught me with parsley, garlic, olive oil. You just stir it all together. Then you ferment it and like marinate it for 48 hours, take it out real cold and then put those anchovies on a little cracker or a little piece of really fresh Italian, you know, Italian bread or garlic bread. Yeah, I could eat that. Oh, my God, it's a hammer. Do you like when you're hunting with Clinton Clay and you open up a can of sardines and put them on a chicken in the biscuit cracker uh, or – With a little bit of hot sauce on there, a little You tobacco. like the sardines? Oh, yeah. Really? I like, you like all the, of it. You like the clams like that too? I like the clams, the oysters. Um, the herring is not my favorite. I Does don't, Clay eat the herring? Yeah, well, and, he, and he gets one that's in like a weird like – it's not tomato paste, but it's like a red kind of a sauce. I, I didn't care for those, but there's a, there's a, um, like a garlic herb one that is good. But do you, do you consider that like a weird diet? Like oh, yeah. I didn't grow up and I don't remember any of my friends popping a can like that. Like we did. We'd my dad them, used to. We'd have them in our lunch. Oh really? And it'd stink out the lunchroom. <laughs> the people are like, what are you doing? And then they taste it. Wade would taste it and be like, oh my God, that's unreal. But when we grew up, that's how we ate. And I don't know if it was like Cecil's. Influence on my dad because Cecil ate that stuff. Like if you go to Cecil's house, he passed away at 93. And if you went to his cabinets after he died, I guarantee you they would be loaded down with sardines and clams. That's what he lived on. Yeah. that's And I don't know if that's what my dad, where he got it or if my dad did it when he was a young man. But when we were growing up from five years old on, we were popping those cans. Yep. My dad always had the smoked oysters and uh, wheat thins. But he never put Tabasco or anything on them. I, you know, Clinton Clay kind of showed me that deal and that's shoot that's all we ever bring you know now is smoked clams oysters some kind of cracker tabasco and then sometimes if you got you know cheese that's good too man see that's kind of like an influence from eating oysters on the half shell because you got the horseradish where people mess up is they put way too much sauce on an oyster you got to taste the oyster especially if they're fresh fresh but like a little horseradish a tiny tiny bit of cocktail sauce then you got the lemon and then you got the tabasco 
Like a, the real Caesar salad, if you read the story of the real Caesar salad, Jim Ray has got it mastered. Tabasco is an ingredient in it. Yeah. And it just may, it just kicks it off with the anchovies and the egg and the way that you do the real salad, the salt, the pepper, the, the Tabasco just kicks it off. That's a good question about breaking down food. Uh, one of our producers, you know, Tyson. Yeah. I want to like hit him when he eats. And I, you tell me if, how, if I should feel like this, you spend all this time cooking all these chefs around the country. They cook this stuff with passion. I'll cook at duck camp for an Two hours, I'll prepare a meal for. Doesn't matter what it is. Like whether it's a sauce, a gravy, a speckle belly dinner, it's always authentic. It's always going to be scratch. It's always going to be fresh. Kill the goose that day. We eat it that night. He will literally dump an entire bottle. And I'm not exaggerating. A a half a bottle of hot sauce onto every meal. And I'm like, there's no way you can taste the passion of the food if you put that much hot sauce. A dab will do you, right? A dab of Tabasco will bring out flavor. But if you cover it in a pepper sauce, you know, like he'll go to he'll go to this Mexican restaurant in, in California when we're goose hunting called Casa Lupe. Unbelievable little delicatessen and carnitia, and they have a they have a fresh burritos and, and co- shrimp cocktails and stuff they make right there in the store at a little deli. It's not a restaurant. And he'll buy a bottle of hot sauce with his burrito, and every bite he'll shake four to five drops. And I'm like, dude, do you not understand how good that carne asada tastes and how good those vegetables taste in this deal? Does do you do you see what I'm saying? Or do oh, you yeah. think it's do you think it's like I, I I don't take offense to it, but I look at people like you don't even understand the true the true flavor of food. It's like almost like a mental breakdown that they have it in is. their brain that they have to cover it with hot sauce no I it's agree. almost like sorry for interrupting it's almost like they grew up around a shitty cook and they had to they had to mask the flavor of the food yep hundred that's it's a it it's a habit right it's like anything i think they, they make a habit of putting that hot sauce on everything because i agree i rarely even put salt and pepper on it you know good food needs really nothing. You know what I mean? You just, you eat it. And I, I dip my pizza in ranch, you know, and I think that's a habit for me. Really good pizza places. They won't even give you ranch. You know what I mean? They, they don't shouldn't. want you. They, they shouldn't. Sh- they shouldn't. I I think it's, a. I like that taste. That, that is such a kid's thing. That is, is such a mentality of a kid to have to, like, I like the taste of a carrot. I do like it in a dip. I like dips. I like chips, but I also like the taste of food. And we started this off it's, 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 I'll let you continue. It's a habit, right? But it drives me freaking nuts. Yeah. Well, especially like when you cook, you know, you, you, you put your passion into a meal. It's all the same as people instinctively reach for salt. You know what I mean? People that are really hooked on salt, they're going to grab salt no matter what. And, and I always used to hear my dad say, why don't you try it first? You know, before you put why salt on Why it. don't you try it first? And that's, you know, the same with hot sauce, right? Why don't you try it first before you put hot sauce all over it? Why don't you try it first before you dick it, dip it in ranch? It's it, But it's a habit, you know, people get used to it. And like you said, maybe they grew up with a subpar cook that you had to put that seasoning on there. You had to put that hot sauce on there. But no, I, you know, same with, like you said, a, a good steak. You know, my mom's notorious for ordering a well-done steak oh and gosh. then dipping it in ketchup. An A1 and shit. A1, yeah, I mean... Uh, a, season, a well-seasoned steak needs nothing. Like they, most chefs would like smack your mom. They want to oh, smack yeah. her. And that's not being mean, but that's not how you eat steak. Right. It's not. There's a right way. So sushi. We started this off with sushi. 
I have learned that a real qualified sushi chef that pays attention to his guests at a really high-end place <clears throat> will get offended if you dip. First of all, if there's a certain level, I, when you go into a sushi restaurant with somebody and you look at their their little, you know, their little plate with the soy sauce, their little, you know, the little dishes and stuff is fold all the way to the top with soy. Okay, that tells me they don't like to taste the fish. Right. Soy sauce is very powerful. <clears throat> if you just take a, a drop of it and put it on your index finger and lick it off or put it on your lip, you can taste it for a long time. Oh, yeah. With wasabi, it's very strong. Wasabi is like a Japanese horseradish. So you look at the level, and it's dark. It's dark brown for most people. It looks kind of like this phone screen sitting there, right? looks like that at the top of their dish. That's not what, that's not what the taste of sushi is supposed to be. Now, I'm not going to sit here and have somebody go, to each their own. It's it's whatever somebody likes. I'm simply saying that the sushi experience isn't about the American sushi experience is about cream cheese and fried shrimp and mixing it all together with the vegetable and maybe a little bit of raw fish. Sashimi, just raw fish, you dip a little tiny piece of that salmon, like a little morsel, like two centimeters, just dap it real quick. Some people will like marinate their fish in the soy sauce. I take more wasabi than I have soy. And I develop a paste and then I just like literally like tap it like a tip of the sashimi in there. If you're eating sushi with the rice, nigiri, you have the, the, the piece of raw fish over the piece of rolled up rice. Hopefully the sushi chef understands what the rice ball is supposed to be molded like and formed like and shaped like. And it's not a nerf sized football. <laughs> and a lot of them will do it up here because the owners say, hey, if it's all you can eat, fill them up with rice. If I right. see them not eating their rice, they're going to get 86. Never welcome back. Oh, white guy, round eye, you got to go. You like you hear all that <laughs> stuff. But it's like uh, you have... These guys and girls that will take their nigiri with the rice and dip it rice side down into that sauce. What well, what what does rice do? Soaks it all it's up. It's a sponge. So how are you tasting the fish? So a real qualified sushi chef at a high-end place, getting back to what I was saying, will take offense to that style of the dip. He's not going to say anything because it's your money. But they're sitting there looking at us going, what are you doing? You're soaking all that soy up into that rice. There's barely any wasabi in there because it still looks like this screen because wasabi is going to turn it more brown colored, right? Like a chocolatey paste looking deal, greenish, brownish paste. The, it's all soy sauce soaked up in that rice. They put it in there and you know how tangy and, and how, how rough soy sauce is to the palate. It's not something that you just, you know, like you dip an egg roll in soy sauce. You got to, you mix it with a little bit. You always just do a little dab of soy. You might mix it with a little husin sauce or whatever that's the, that name is of the Chinese or Japanese barbecue sauce. I eat a lot of pho, right? Vietnamese soup. Uh, you see a lot of people with those soups just putting Tyson. If you go to pho with Tyson, I sit there and watch him make up his pho and I'm like, that guy literally has the best broth recipe I've ever tasted. You're not even tasting the vegetables, the, the seasoning, the, 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 the temperature control as far as like simmering it for the last 72 hours and getting this broth perfect with all these vegetables in there. The, the Thai basils and everything that goes into the jalapenos. It's just Houston sauce, soy sauce, fish oil, this and that. And I'm like, at the end of it, I'm like, dude, all you have is a condiment bowl, a condiment bowl. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I'm getting fired up because Tyson, I'll look at Tyson at a camp and I'll be like, bro, you didn't even taste what I just cooked. And he'll be like, it's the way I like it. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to cook for you anymore. You're pissing me off. Go have, a, go have a microwave burrito and pour all that hot sauce on it. What's the difference? Exactly. What's the difference? I, I watched that, uh, the Nobu guy, he's got a couple videos out. 
you know, the real famous sushi chef. He's so awesome. They, they don't even put soy sauce. The soy sauce isn't even on the table. You know what I mean? And they have a little tiny ball of wasabi. And they take like a, you know, like the tip of the chopstick. And if you want, but they eat it, no sauce. There is no, you know, you're eating the fish. And, and, and they, like you said, he would be offended if you wanted to eat it any other way. And that's how, and that's how I've gotten to be like, you, I, you'll, when we go today, you'll watch me eat sushi in a way of like, I barely ever use that sauce. I barely ever have any soy in my thing. And I'm not saying that raw, raw, you need to do it like me. I'm simply saying that the breaking it down part of this conversation is the eating experience and the flavor of food. I could, I could take an egg roll from a supermarket that's been frozen for eight years, however long there are, you know, before they lose their shelf life, okay, and put enough sauces on it to make you go, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. But that's not cooking. A sushi roll that's got uh, teriyaki sauce on it, and then it's got, it's skipping my mind. What's the hot sauce called? Uh, sriracha. Sriracha sauce all on there. Then it's got a mango, piece of mango on there, and it's got, I'm like, dude, where is the ta- where is the flavor of the fish? You go into a sushi restaurant up here where it's all been Californianized or Americanized, and I'm just like, all you're eating is a freaking thing of rice. And with mayonnaise. <laughs> mayonnaise and cream cheese, which is absolutely disgusting in my opinion. Shouldn't even be loud in a sushi bar or anywhere else in the world. Philadelphia. The only thing, I mean, come on. They, they did bring us the Rocky. They and they brought us Lenny Dykes. And the Philly cheese dig. Yeah. But cream cheese, bro, we'll get on that later. I'm just saying that when I look at Tyson, and I'm not picking on him. I guess I am in a way. He knows I love him. But that's got that's kind of like that's kind of like somebody that can't drink whiskey without having it with a ton of coke all the time. Do you really enjoy the taste of whiskey, like to sip on it or have it neat or on the rocks and enjoy a good bourbon or a good Tennessee whiskey like Jack Daniels? Do you really enjoy that, or do you just think or do you just like the buzz of it? Because I'm not saying that Jack and Coke doesn't taste good. But in a way, it takes away, there's got to be certain moods. Like if you listen to our podcast with the, one of the um, master distillers, Jeff Arnett from Jack Daniels, he retired a little bit ago. If you listen to what he says, it's about mood. Can, do, you ever, do those people ever get in a mood to have that whiskey just neater on the rocks? Or do they always have to mix it with maraschino cherry juice or maraschino cherry or an old fashioned or an orange zest or whatever it is? Do you really like the taste of whiskey? Different moods call for different forms. One time you're partying, you might have a Jack and Coke. This one might be a dessert with a Jack and Honey after dinner, a Jack Honey after dinner. This one might be something that where you're enjoying, you know, something that's going to call for a gentleman Jack or whatever, right? So eating is kind of the same way. It's moods, but do you really enjoy the process, the flavor of the food, or are you just looking to get something in your stomach real quick? I mean, you know what? I, it's 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 a weird thing to me because when we were doing the American almond beef with with Moscow last week, me and his executive chef went in and cooked it with nothing, two burgers, two ribeyes, and a New York. No salt, no pepper, no dry rub, no nothing. Comes out, and I'm sitting there just we're tasting it, passing it around. I'm like, man, this is good. What'd you put on it? He's like, not one thing. And I'm like, amazing. Yeah. It, very rarely do you see people that do that, right? Nobody does that. You- Almost nobody does that. And that's what, you know, it's easy to have good food that's, you know, 
it's not bad food, but you know, a fried whatever is going to taste really good. You know, something that's cooked in butter and, you know, your slow cooker and a, a whole bottle of barbecue sauce, you know, those things taste really good. But are you really getting, you know, it's like you said, if you've only had a duck as a popper, do you really like duck? You know what I mean? Full of cream cheese and a jalapeno pepper and bacon and, and all bacon. that stuff. hundred percent. Yeah. Great example. You know, so you've really never really had duck meat if that's the only way you've had it. You know, it's and there's nothing wrong with it. The same with, you know, sushi is like you said, it's a different experience for everybody. Same with drinking whiskey. Are you going to go out and party? You might be drinking Jack and Cokes because if you just went straight Jack all night long, you'd probably be in trouble. You know, like you said, if you've had a nice dinner and now you want to have a cocktail afterwards, I'm getting one on the, you know, on the rocks or neat or whatever. Yeah. it's a, And it's, you know, like you said, to each their own. But I think people have to explore the other side of it. You know, you got to have that steak cooked, you know, rare, medium rare with not a ton of seasoning and all that and actually enjoy a good cut of meat. You go to a steakhouse and you'd order a $45 Tomahawk ribeye and then you order all those sauces that go with it. You've wasted $45. Just a in tiny, my tiny bit of real horseradish. Yeah. It, you know, if that, I mean, I like it a lot of times with nothing, you know, nothing. Oh yeah. If that I'm talking like, just like wasabi, a little dab of horseradish brings out the flavor to me. Those are enhancers. Yeah. Enhancing it is one. And that's what, that's one thing that I've kind of learned because I don't use a lot of salt, but salt enhances a lot of flavor, you know, and like pesto sauce, you put a little sprinkle of salt on, on a good pesto, it makes it pop even more, you know? Well, and sauce is an equal or salt is an equalizer. If it's too, if you know, if you get too much pine nut in the pesto, you can equalize it with salt. If you get too much of the sugary taste in it, you can equalize it with salt. If you get too much of a tomato base in a red bolognese sauce, you can equalize it with salt. Obviously, you can go the other side of the teeter-totter, too, and make the balance way off the charts and make it to where you can't even have it in your mouth. Yeah, you get And people lean on salt as a crutch. Yeah. But it, salt is an equalizer. It's a flavor enhancer for sure, but it's an equalizer. Dad always taught us to, you know, mix your salts and sweeteners. You know, how do you get that balance and get it to, you know, perform well for the palate? Like French fries. You can eat French fries with nothing on them if they're right if they're oh, yeah. if they're seasoned right or if they're cooked in the right oil for the right amount of time at the right temperature like Moscow his fries are the best in Reno I don't know if you've had them but they're I don't know what he does to them he won't tell me but flowing tide fries are the best in Reno and if you if you dip them in ranch or you dip them in ketchup you're ruining the french fry experience mm -hmm. I wonder if they dip french fries in France in ketchup no don't they use mayonnaise in Europe isn't that the Pulp Fiction line? I was going to say, or maybe I learned that on Pulp Fiction. A royal, royal brand with cheese. cheese. <laughs> you know what they dip their fries in over there? Mayonnaise. Man, we could break down Pulp Fiction one day. Oh, we got to break down Quentin Tarantino movies for sure one day. I could get into that like right now and say, what's the best of all time? But we're going to do that on another day. So part of, I think, what we're talking about is what does age do to your palate? Because that's what we're kind of talking about, right? Is like your food palate. You know, you go from eating grilled know, cheeses. Did you, ever, and, did you ever dip steak and ketchup when you were a kid? Well, probably because my, my mom only knew how to cook it. Yeah, but your dad Well didn't. done. My dad never would cook anything well done, for, except for my mom. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what my mom did most of the cooking. Um, 
But, you know, like sushi, I didn't eat sushi when I was a kid. Maybe it wasn't really even around, right? I don't right? even know if it was available. I remember my, my grandma lived in Hawaii, and I do remember when I went over there when I was probably like 12 or 13, they sold California rolls at uh, McDonald's, and I thought it was weird. But Really? Yeah. In Hawaii? Oh, yeah. They had, a, they had like a little reach-in cooler cabinet at the McDonald's, and you could get California. I, I remember California rolls. There might have been other things, too, but... You could definitely get that stuff over there. Now, but California th- roll, do you eat those right now? No. Never. It's kind of like a waste. Yeah. Um, but, again, it's kind of an introductory to sushi for yeah. a lot of people. But it's cucumber, crab, and rice with a little bit of the the poppy seed in the rice with the, you know, the... Sesame seeds. The sesame seed. I mean, not poppy seed. Poppy seed. Ooh. Sesame seed. Um I don't know. I don't know if we, yeah, I guess, I guess that's a good way to put it. You mature because a lot of kids are picky and they might get into other stuff as they get older, but a picky kid drives me nuts too. I just want to whack them too. Like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Can't eat that asparagus. Only chicken strips and fries. Well, yeah, that's what they do or cereal. I'm like, how could you not want to eat the food that we put in front of you? Like Alyssa was watching the videos today from the bolognese sauce and she's like, that and she's filming all this stuff the other day for me. She runs the camera and she comes in and she does funny little things like I'll be slicing up the pepperoni or whatever and you'll see her hand reach in there to take <laughs> one. Then I'll be doing the carrots and she, she'll she reach in and take a carrot. But she had no idea what I was – I guess she had no idea what I was doing all this all these vegetables for the other day and these meats and stuff and getting them ready for this sauce and this gravy. So when she's seen these videos, she's like, all that stuff what, was the sauce I ate last night? And I'm like, yes. She's like, oh, my gosh, it was good. Oh my gosh, that was unbelievable. And that's like almost like the medal of honor now or like the stamp of approval when I cook is if she goes, oh my gosh, this duck is unreal. Or she, and today she's like, daddy, you're really good at cooking duck, but not like uncle Dave. She loves Dave's simple teriyaki duck and rice recipe, but he does it perfect because he understands the high heat, the temperature and how long to cook the duck for to not just get the flavor right, but the texture and not liverize it because that's why most people say duck sucks. Yeah. Any wild game sucks because there's not a lot of fat in it. You can't sit there and just char it down. It's not going to have flavor, and it's going to become like liver. And a lot of people don't like liver. Liver can be okay if it's cooked right. So will you make your daughter different dinners and things, or are you old school like our parents where there was dinner, and either you were going to eat it or you were going to eat it? Oh, you mean like separate from what I'm eating? Yeah, yeah. No. Do you no. know what I'm saying? Like when we grew up, I know your your mom and dad were just like mine. She always he, will eat the entree. Yeah, they she might not dinner. eat a green salad all the time, but now sure. she's starting to get into all those green salads, especially Caesars. Yeah, but yeah, like Clay had to sit at the table for I believe it was five hours because he wouldn't eat my dad's cream, uh, uh, not pea, uh, cream of broccoli soup, homemade cream of broccoli soup. My mom and dad made. Clay wouldn't eat it. My dad made him sit at the table until he finished his bowl. Really? That's how we got yeah. unpick, unpickyized. Exactly. No. It, there was no option. My mom and dad didn't ask us what we wanted for dinner. They made dinner and you were going to eat it. You know, 100%. like you said, I didn't, I didn't eat, I don't, I still don't love tomatoes to this very day. So, I mean, yeah, they would let you get around stuff like that. But do you like tomatoes in a, a pasta sauce yeah, or yeah. pizza sauce? So it, you're like Dave Stanley. You, you, could you eat uh, just an Italian salad with a, with the mozzarella and yes. the basil? You can eat a tomato like that, which is crazy, right? So I like ketchup and, you know, tomato sauce and all that, but I don't like tomatoes. But I love that caprese salad or whatever with the balsamic vinaigrette caprese and mozzarella. Awesome. It, it's weird. But like 
tomatoes on a salad, I'll pick around them. I don't care if I eat one or two. I'm not picky about food, any food like that. Like I would never send something back, you know, if it's got a tomato that I didn't want on it, I'll eat around it. And even if I eat one or two of them, I don't care, but I'm not going to order them. I'm not going to slice a tomato up and eat it with salt. Like a lot of people do. That's just not my thing. Do you, there's military eating, which is super fast. Then there's people that are there to eat. There could be some conversation, but good food needs to be eaten. Then you got the guys, like another producer of ours, his name's Ty, not Tyson, who literally, and Brad Ledoux, you know, the swimming pool guy. 45 minutes, you're done for 20 minutes, and he's still literally half of his plate at least. Yeah. And the other thing about these two is that they're afraid to let any of the food touch each other. Are you a, are you <laughs> no. a guy that can... Can, like when I get eggs and hash browns, they go together. Right. I don't put ketchup on them. Maybe a dab of Tabasco. Okay, maybe. But I like the flavor if they do it right. And I don't eat a lot of hash browns because I'm real picky about hash browns, especially the texture and all of the stuff that when you say I want crispy hash browns, unless you're at the Waffle House in the South, most people will mess it up. They don't get them crispy enough. Either the outside's crispy and the, the, the inside's, the inside's raw because they have, they've cooked it on too high a heat. So... That whole theory, you know, like, no, I, mean, I eat everything separate. I'm not saying that I take the salad and the mashed potatoes and the cranberry sauce and the turkey and the, the green, bean cas- green bean casserole and the yams or sweet potatoes, or whatever, and mix them all into a goulash on my plate and make it look no. disgusting. But I'm not afraid to take some green, bo- green bean casserole with some mashed potatoes and hammer it oh, yeah. or a little sweet potato and, and mashed potatoes and hammer it or whatever the potato you have, whatever. That was a bad example, but you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm the same. They can all I, I don't mix it into a big mush either, but, yeah, I'll mix up different bites and stuff like that. Um, but speed-wise... It's funny, I, I like real messy foods. Like if you get like a, a good burger, you know, that's got juice running down it and all that. I know I eat those fast, but it's it's more because I hate putting it down and picking it up and putting it down and picking it up, you know, so I catch myself like just holding the sandwich or a burger the whole time. And so you eat it fast, you know. My uh my cousin was the same as like Brad and Ty. Literally at Thanksgiving dinner, everybody would be done. For like 40 minutes and he'd still be there. And eating. it's not like he's controlling the conversation no. or even talking much. No. They just eat slow. And you, so now you're eating cold food, right? I mean, cold, I would think so. Food, Food's not going to stay hot in a plate in a 70 degree room. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's going to get cold. No doubt about it. Yeah. My brother, Nick, gone. As soon as, it, as soon as the plate touches the ground or the table, it's gone. He eats so fast. Me too. I don't eat so fast, but... I like temperature, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> I want it for you know, like you said, hot and fresh, and that's how it's you know, it's not supposed to be cold unless you're eating salad or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Napkins. What's the? <clears throat> excuse me. I always picture this when I'm in a restaurant because I hate stuff on my lips or in my beard or on this little patch. Or what's that little patch called? The flavor saver, whatever. Soul patch, yeah. Like I don't like any. Like I feel weird if my mouth is dirty. The first thing I have to do in the morning, even before a shower, is get cold water and douse my face and get everything out of my eyes or off my nose, my lips, whatever it is, right? Eating, I'll use five napkins, but I'm very anal about seeing a waitress or a waiter see that process. <laughs> so they, a lot of times if I have a hoodie on like this, I'll crinkle them up and I'll throw them away outside of the restaurant after, but napkins like you see in the restaurant industry you see it all the time they're left on the plate 
out of the table after the dinner, after the lunch, after the breakfast, and they're rolled up into a ball, and there's a lot of, there could be a lot of gross stuff on there, right? What is the right way to use a napkin? Because every time we go out, we try to get multiple napkins, put them in the glove compartment for future meals, future blow your nose on the road, whatever it is, right? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. You always get extra, but what is your opinion on that when you're in the restaurant industry and you walk up to the table? Is there a certain amount of napkins that should be used in a meal? I'm not talking about if there's an accident and something spilled, but you, you kind of get what I'm saying. I'm oh, really yeah. anal about people knowing how much I wipe my mouth. Well, hey, having a beard, that's a that's a bad that's a bad thing to be anal about, dude, because when it gets long and dude, it's everywhere. It's it everywhere. I, literally I think my first bite of dinner last night had more mustache in it than food. It's just that that's how it is when you have a beard, you know what I mean? And so I use a ton of napkins too. Um but yeah, I mean, nobody wants to be sitting there at dinner where you get a big, you know, glob of food hanging off your mouth. I do see though in the restaurant, you know, there's a there's a lot of wasted, you know, napkin, not wasted, just, you know, a lot of, lot of use, a lot of napkin use. So do you prefer a cloth napkin over a uh, paper See, napkin? We used them last night with that bolognese sauce. And, yeah, you wash them and they're gone. But I don't know. I don't know if I really – I probably – but it prevents you from getting another one. Well, and, like, I find myself, like, rotating the cloth, and right? You wipe your mouth off, and then when you go to do it again, you don't want to wipe your mouth off where you wiped your mouth off the first time. You know, you're getting more sauce back on there, so you're rotating that napkin around. I mean, I know at, like, steakhouses and stuff, they got to they gotta kind of have them just for the look. But, yeah, I think a couple, couple paper napkins is the way to go. A couple? Oh, yeah. So you're a clean eater even with a beard? You can get through with a couple, or do you have to have three, three four, five? Uh, probably... It just depends, I guess, what you're eating, but it, it's definitely two, no matter what you're eating. But you you eat, like I said, like a sandwich or a burger or something messy like that. Oh, yeah, you're, you're three, four napkin in, with a beard for sure. Really? Oh, yeah. Hmm. I'm pretty anal. I'm, I don't know if it's an embarrassment, though. If I'm embarrassed of how many napkins I use because I don't like having things on my face. As long as you're... Less embarrassed by the napkin use versus having food on your face, and you're you're keeping okay. So good if, you're, if you're a heavy napkin user, where do you put the excess napkins? Am I onto something? Like put, put them in your shirt? No, I put them right on the table. Truth be told, back in my uh, you know my rookie days of sushi, a lot of the rice went in this pocket in napkins until I got yeah. caught by Tony at the sushi club. Yeah, I I you're That's a, a no no. I get a little bit of anxiety when I eat sushi with you because you don't eat all the rice, and I'm afraid we're going to be kicked out. Well, and, it just and you try to hide it under the plates and it just like, depends like on the smooth. relationship you have. If they, you eat some of it, but you're not going to eat it all, you spend enough money in a place, right? They're right. going to let you let you go a little bit. But I didn't. I was a rookie in the game back then, and Tony's like, "You out? You get out of here? Kicked you right out? Yeah." Heck he used yeah, to have the best sushi. I know, but something happened. Is he still around? No, I heard rumors, oh. but that place was awesome. It was really good. He. uh no, his buddy had the other one that was really good, too. Appetizers. Appetizers are a they're, they're a tricky one, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a real connoisseur of food, what is a good appetizer? Because you go to an appetizer place, and you get a bunch of fried mozzarella sticks, and you get a bunch of nachos, and you get fried zucchini, or what are they, these combo platters, or whatever they call these things, right? They got the... They got the little jalapenos. They're all fried. It's bar food kind of. At a, at a good restaurant, 
There might be a wedge salad appetizer. There might be, I guess that's not a good example because that would be considered a salad, but there might be a mushroom appetizer. There might be a salami and cheese or an Italian salami and cheese. In the South, you do that a lot with sausage and cheese. They're tricky though because what are you really doing if you're going to a nice restaurant, a nice Italian meal, and you fill up on appetizers? And bread. And bread. It's another tricky one, right? And they want you to do it because they want you to have a they want you to have a full belly and take leftovers home that their meals are suffice, right? But man, appetizers are, are tricky to me about how do you trigger like one of the worst is a Mexican restaurant. Chips and salsa. Right? You're filling yourself up on fried carbs with sodium, and <laughs> then you're trying to say that you're still hungry for a meal after. This is kind of like the gluttony aspect of America, right? Of like you just it's normal to have an appetizer. It's normal to have three or four baskets of chips and salsa, right? And then go into your and then into your pre-meal salad or whatever, and then into your meal. But so, what is your opinion on appetizers? Are they a must? Or because some guys, when you go and you're like, "Hey guys, you want to get some appetizers?" I'm with. I've, I know some buddies in my circle. Be like, "No, nah, we're good. We'll just have the entree and wait for it. Maybe get a salad before dinner, yeah. a little dinner salad or a wedge or a Caesar." I'm I'm typically. Salad, you know what I mean? Like I, I always get super salad to start. I don't have to have appetizers, you know. I think that if you're going to like a dinner party, like if you go to Little Strata or Roxy or whatever in the Eldo, they've got like uh they've got like that lobster escargot where you can get that uh lobster escargot is unbelievable. The uh you know, they do like the prosciutto and and melon or you know, something like that, like a light appetizer like that if you're at like a party situation i think that's great if you and i went to dinner tonight i, I don't have to have an appetizer but i'm always going to order a salad to start or soup something like that you know so i don't do the uh but that like you said many many of my uh mexican dinners have been ruined with the chips i saw a funny little picture the other day you know and it was a hey do you want uh you want to eat six uh String cheeses right now? No, I would never do that. What if I dipped them in bread and you know egg and fried them? Oh yeah, then I'll eat six of them. Like dude, I could, I could literally eat six mozzarella sticks, but I would never eat six string cheeses. You know, it's weird, and that's the same thing. Same thing. Just cook, now you're and more fat. grease and more fat, and more carbs, you know, bread. bread. Yeah, but it, it, I do. It is funny, man, and, and especially like you go to like a like a steakhouse meal. You go to a nice steakhouse. The amount of food that most people eat when they get to that state is it's crazy. Yeah. You know, you, you would never do that at home. Yeah. Uh, And I did, you know, it's a nice treat. You know, you go to, you go hit a Ruth Chris or something and you, you start with all that bread usually and butter. And then, yeah, if you get an appetizer and then a salad and then you get your main course. And then if you're out for a birthday or whatever, and you get dessert, I mean, do you, 4,000 calorie meal? It's our country. Yeah. Plus three cocktails. I don't, I, I, I don't know a whole bunch of how many China buffets there are in China, but there's one in every neighborhood in America. There's one in every prairie town in Canada. Oh, yeah. Buffets here, country buffet, hometown buffet. Every casino has a buffet. Our life here, all you can eat sushi. In in this casino industry, in this part of the country, it is a glutton deal mm-hmm. because it's like you are, are conditioned all you can eat for 22 bucks. I'm gonna if I'm gonna spend 22 bucks, I am going to stack trays up this high. And I yep. was there at one time 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Dude, 
you go to sushi and eat what we ate last week when we ate sushi, that's a $300 lunch at an a la carte really good sushi restaurant. Mm-hmm. We are we are spoiled here with fish like we started this with with the casino industry and fresh fish coming in. I'm going to have to test your deal today if we go to sushi and see about the Saturday. But that was Saturday we had it last time. I know. So we're going to have to see that. But I had it. But Sunday would be the same thing, bro. And Sunday's the best day to be at Tokyo. Really? It's amazing at Tokyo. Hmm. Not Tokyo, Japan. Tokyo, the sushi restaurant in Reno. Yeah. It's the bomb. It's That's, the best sushi in Reno, in my opinion. I agree, 100%. Do you? Oh, yeah. Sunday's an amazing day. I don't know about Sunday, but Sunday. all the times I've ever had it there, it's been delicious. It's every time, because the guys care. The owner cares. Those, those oysters that came out, or those uh, mussels that came out last week... Or no, not the day I was with you. I had mussels another time this week, and I sent them back. And I'm like, they're not, they're terrible. They're undercooked. They are fishy. Whatever you tried to bake them in or whatever you're trying to do, it doesn't work. It's terrible. I will never, ever, and I mean this, ever step back into this restaurant. Ever. I'll never go back. Was it the one we went to? Nope. Oh. Different one. So. There is, you know, it's, it's sad because sometimes those restaurants simply become a business and a moneymaker, right? And and those guys lose their passion for what they started. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. You remember there there's there's a sushi place up um way up on the hill and Skyline? Yeah. It was literally one of the best. And they had a different reason for Hirobo. Yeah, Hirobo, that is place what it used amazing. to be. Was amazing. It, so it um and that's because they cared, right? That was a that was a legit sushi restaurant. It was small, and and those are usually the best ones, right? A little one where you're shoulder to shoulder, and then, but you know, it's not greed, but it is. They expand, and then you got to get a guy to you know cut fish over at the news station, and he might not be the best guy, but they want to capitalize on the money that they're making, and then it goes downhill. Bad. Unfortunately, you remember Landrum's here. Yeah. Landrum's was the best breakfast in Reno. Hands down. It was like six six stools at a bar and maybe... Rock Boulevard? Yeah. yeah. Maybe a couple booths. Their their breakfast potatoes were literally the best I've ever had. Like you said, if you wanted them crispy, they were almost like potato chips, but you know they were breakfast. But unbelievable. But then they want to expand. You know, you want to, you want to make more money, and unfortunately... They lose that personal feel. Right. And it's the good restaurants that expand, that keep that, yep. that succeed. Yep. And these places that are that that get popular and get busy, they lose their QC, their quality control. Mm-hmm. And COVID did that a lot because this whole mentality, when we opened back up, the, the whole mentality was get them in the door, get them fed, get them out, get somebody else in here. Let's We need to make up for what we just went through. Right. And that's where you saw a lot of this going on is I'm like, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. You should be on your A game right now. You're trying to earn business back in a sense right now. You can't take a reputation of pre-COVID or pre-an incident like this and have everybody be like, oh, I can't wait to get back in there. And then when they go back in there, it sucks. Right. You can't take that chance because you don't have the right amount of manpower, which is understandable. But the manpower you got better be working their ass off if they're getting a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And you better be managing them the right way, managing your cooks and the recipes and the, the condition that the food goes out to and presented to the end user, the consumer, the eater, right? I'm sitting there going, are you serious? Like, this is terrible. Yep. Uh, this is absolutely terrible. That's what I didn't say that. But like I said, I can't eat these. Like, I, I promise you, don't be mad at me. I can't eat them. Yeah. I said they're they're so bad, I, and and I and I'll and I'll never. Go, I didn't say this to the people there, but I will never go back there. Maybe, maybe give them another chance, but I doubt it. It was that bad. I this will blow your mind. Or at least it blew my mind. 
I went to a bar the other day and, and you know, due to COVID, we're limiting table time to one hour. So you got a bar where you want people to hang out and have a couple drinks and socialize and do whatever. You're putting an hour time limit on the table. Well, that's because that's because it was an eatery. No, no, no. This was a bar. Had to have it food at it. Not it, it didn't. It had to have food. Well, maybe I. It's a larger they place. They got to be doing that to get people not to sit there and have a long conversation after they eat because they want to get new customers in there to get that food out. I would imagine this was one hundred percent a bar. It, um, it does have a restaurant hooked to the other side of it, but this was the bar portion of the restaurant. A literally a tall rinky table. You couldn't even have a plate. So if of food you're sitting at. In there getting after it and drinking beers and running up a tab, they're going to kick you out in sixty minutes. One hour. I've seen that at sushi restaurants in Vegas. One hundred percent food wise. Yeah. This was a bar. It, and I don't know if maybe they were running into customers that were coming in and ordering one cocktail and sitting there for two hours and they were wanting to turn the tables over, but it was the weirdest thing, dude. And it said, you know, due to COVID, one hour limit at the bar, at the table. The table's at the bar is what it was. I'm trying to think of why. that would be Unless they were experiencing something where people were coming in and-, and Ordering one glass of and, wine and, and bullshit for two for hours. hours. Yeah. I mean, I you know, like you said, in the in the restaurant world- I could totally see that. You know, you order lunch and you take up a table for two hours when people are trying to turn over and make some money. 100%. This was a bar. This was, I did not see one person eating. There was a restaurant on the other side of this place. And maybe they brought food in there at some point, but I saw no food when I was there. And it was weird because it was very rushed bar service. You know what I mean? Like I was there with three, two dudes and Tommy Sabini was one of them. Uh, it was like you you couldn't even really get your drink done, and they were asking you if you wanted another one or if you wanted to check. It was really weird the way that they were turning this bar over. Yeah, I would have to sit down and figure that out and analyze that or even ask some questions because that doesn't make any sense. I know. It's weird. But that's what they – the side, little you know little table right on uh, – tent right on the table. I don't know. I think food is – Food is a weird thing in our country because it, there is a lot of gluttonous going on, you know, as far as gluttony and 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 us overindulging. There, that's happened, you know, a lot in a lot of different aspects of life. But food is supposed to be enjoyed. And I get a kid, toasted cheese sandwich, grilled cheese sandwich, hammer it down, go back out and play. I get that. Remember the lunches, the hot lunches, the lunch lady land and, oh, and the French bread pizzas. And I mean, it was terrible. The Those people, French bread pizzas were good. Yeah, but dude, the cheese was not even cheese. No. Back to, they were to us, but you just said yourself, good pizza doesn't need to be dipped in ranch. You had to dip that shit in like kerosene would have made it taste better. What was that meat they put on those pizzas? It was like processed pepperoni, like little cut into chunk. little tiny. Remember yeah. the little tiny chunks? It cut the roof those. of your mouth if you hit it wrong. Oh yeah. If you bit down on it. No, if Lunch Lady Doris put that thing in the oven for like two minutes too long, that stuff was like glass. Yeah, that stuff was. And then if they didn't put it long enough and the cheese was cooked on top and the dough in the middle was done. Uh, and I'm, but see, thankfully, so thankfully and blessed that my dad did not believe in it. One of one of our famous things growing up was night before cold spaghetti sandwich and wheat bread. 99 cent loaf, warehouse market, Scolari's warehouse market, wheat bread around the noodles and the sauce. It was just spaghetti and bread. And I'd, we'd hit morning weights, and I'd go into my locker, and I'd pull one of those out after morning weights, and I'd look around, and people would be like, what in the frick is he eating? And then they would <laughs> taste it, and they'd be like, I would have people trading me stuff at lunch. My dad would put whatever we ate the night before in a sandwich. So if it was a deer steak with purple onions, bam, sandwich the next day in our lunch bag. 
That's how we ate. We didn't have hot lunch. We never got hot lunch. People looked at hot lunch as like a treat. My daughter sometimes does. And I'm like, a treat? Are you freaking crazy? That food sucks. And it might be a little bit better with today's technology and science. I bet and not. I don't know. I would bet not. But dude, that's not a treat. Hot lunch is not a treat. Hot lunch programs? No. It was my dad made our lunch every day. My mom would make our lunch every day. And you, it was one of those things to where now you look at it like, man, we were lucky, right? Brown bagging it. We were brown bagging it every day. Dude, lunchbox with a thermos? Oh, yeah. What, what technology Dukes, Dukes do they have in those? Box? You can't even have a Dukes of Hazard lunchbox anymore. Hey, what technology was in that little plastic thermos? Because all these companies are trying to find it again right now. But my mom would put that, that soup. Campbell's soup in that, in that thermos, hot. and that thing would still be hot Stanley. four hours later. Back in the day, it was Stanley. I know, but I don't know, Stanley. man. Stanley. It's copper now. You put the copper infused in there. Like yeah. this copper tone stuff on your arm keeps it warm, keeps it flexible, keeps the heat in there, retains all the heat. It's co it's got to be copper lined, right? Copper infused. Got to be. Back Don't then, dude, it was plastic with Michael Jackson with a yellow freaking sweater vest on and his glove. <laughs> and it said Billy Jean across it. I had that one too, but I had Bo and Luke Duke. I had Duke. My main my main lunch boxes were Ghostbusters and Dukes of Hazard. I had Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray. Who's the other Ghostbusters? Was John Candy and Ghostbusters? No. Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Was he? No. No. Who Dan Aykroyd. Bill Murray. Bill Murray. I know, I know, uh, what's his Who, name? The who's glasses? the tall guy with the glasses? Yeah, what's, who's the Ghostbusters? And then Leon was the black guy. Yeah. Yeah, they were, I don't know his name. Hey, I don't know. You, you said something that struck something with me. Was McDonald's a treat then when you were a kid? Yeah, so because your we parents barely were, ever got it. Me too. That's we could how barely I, afford it. Yeah. And we barely ever got it. But here's the thing about what you say there. Good food is good food. And McDonald's is freaking good. They have done a great job in their recipes. And I'm not saying that the meat's the best meat in the world. But if you, and it's not good for you, but you could watch the documentary Super Size Me. Right. If you eat McDonald's every day or five days a week, you're going to pay for it. Even if you're in great shape and you work for... UPS and you deliver 700 packages a day. It's not your aesthetics on the outside when you're 30 years old. It's what it's doing to your insides too that people don't think about. Right. So, but McDonald's food, you can't tell me their fries don't taste good. Oh, you so can't good. tell me that a Big Mac don't taste good, a quarter pound of cheese. People that say that, or an egg McMuffin, or one of these McGriddles. My daughter got a McGriddle like three weeks ago. I let her have it. Like it's a treat for her. Yeah. If a kid could eat McDonald's every day, they would. It's like a dog. If the dog food's laying there, that dog's stomach will blow out because he will not stop eating. That's what a dog owner does is control that, right? Mm -hmm. That's why when you go into the trash and you see them tip it over because they got a scent, they go in there and eat it because they have no self-control. Right. McDonald's is about self-control and using it as a treat or like in and out. I could eat a double-double right now, three of them, no problem after this fasting day. No problem I could. But... It's, do I really want the effects that that's going to have on you? The fresh beef, I don't care how fresh it is, right? It's still not the best thing for you in a non-moderate stage. If you don't moderate yeah. it, have it in moderation. But McDonald's, unbelievable. Now here, Burger King, mm, Whoppers, no Whoppers with cheese, with ketchup only. I could eat, but there, there was something about the whole Whopper sandwich that, and it was probably the amount of mayonnaise that might've been put on one back in the day that I didn't jive with. Yeah. But I was real picky about fast food a lot too. A Taco Bell, people think it's unbelievable. I think it's terrible. Will I eat it in a pinch? Like if it's the only thing open at a hunt or after hunt? Yes. But I think that 
McDonald's would probably be my go-to fast food if there, because there's no in and out around. Whataburger in Texas is amazing. Jim Boy's Tacos in Reno is a go-to, but how unhealthy is that shit, right? I had that last week. I don't know if fast food is another breakdown deal. It is that could be, sure. you know, John Hine on the Howard Stern Show, he's known as the fast food king, Guru, right? Yeah. He's written books about fast food and what you should order and how you order it and all that. It's a pretty interesting phenomenon because of the amount of money that's made in it. Arby's, is that really roast beef? Because now they got, we're the meat, you know, they got the 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 venison sandwiches at one time and the elk and you know farm raised of course but then they got the chicken and they got these turkeys these delicate delicatessen sandwiches and arby's is pretty good but is it really beef you can't tell me that that horsey horsey sauce on a, a little tab of that stuff on a bite of a of a a giant you know one of those uh beef and cheddar no i don't like the cheddar cheese i'm just talking about the, the, the beef, regular just, beef yeah it's not a bad tasting sandwich no it's good you always know that it's not Real is not the right word, but real beef when the slices are all the same and perfect. Because you know you've run a. But isn't Arby's all the same and perfect? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is it? It's got to be. There's some manufacturing going on there. Because if you run a a prime rib through a slicer to make roast beef slices or whatever, they're not all the same. And so you're saying that Subway is Subway's processed as well. Oh my god! Have you ever seen like it's all, they come in like separate little yeah. already pre measured? They're all the perfect deal. Now that's not to say that they're not successful and that you can't get a good sandwich there. I'm not saying that I don't nope. eat it. It's not my favorite. If I'm nope. going to get a sub sandwich, which is another phenomenon in itself to get a good sub sandwich right, you know, with the right spreads and somebody that goes down the line and meticulously takes care of that customer instead of it just being an assembly belt, a conveyor yeah. belt of just like an assembly line on a conveyor belt of just like, boom boom. Dude, a good sub sandwich with the right bread, the right amount oh, of bread, the so right flavor good. bread. You like pork subs? Good. Dude, why did we do this on a day I'm fasting? Your fast is over. I know, but I want to go eat. Should we go eat if after this? Where would we eat right eat. now? What do you want to eat? What'd you say? What'd you say before I, when I asked that? I said, do you like porta subs? Do you want to go to porta subs? No, I said, do you like porta subs? I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think good. it's amazing. I do too. I think they have a different mayonnaise and mustard that they mix together that gets you hooked. That combo is very good. There's something else in it, though. I don't know what we're going to have today. What do you feel like? I don't know. This is breaking it down. Now, I mean, now I feel like the Flowing Tigers. You said they have the best fries, and I just don't know that I've ever really had them. Oh, dude. Are you serious? I don't know. Let me text my guy. I got a, I got a sand guy like Vince Vaughn in old school. You got a fry guy? I got a fry guy. Is that I mean, a good thing? You got a jerky guy? <laughs> Let me ask him. What are you going to ask him? What What's in his fries? Or if he's he around? He's going to tell me that. I'm, I'm asking him if he's working right now. If he is, we'll run down there. You could do another episode of food. You could do 100 episodes on food. Well, we're going to. I mean, there's so many. Like fast food I want to do. Steakhouses I want to do. Um, sub sandwiches. Sub sandwiches. There's so much things. There's so many things in the world. There's so much out there. To break down, like we just broke down food of, and it started with kind of a pet peeve of mine of Tyson putting too much damn hot sauce on everything I could. Everything I could. I like the taste of a good burrito. I don't need to douse, like, you know, you take a bite out of a burrito and you got that little U shaped teeth mark, little bite mm -hmm. mark, right? He'll take it and fill that son of a bitch up with freaking hot sauce before he takes his next bite. Can you really get the flavor of what those chefs put into it? Again, people are going to go, stop it to each their own. If he wants to eat that much hot sauce, that's fine. I'm just saying that the eating experience should be different, in my opinion. I agree.
You do? We're on the same page. We are. I feel like you could eat anything if you're going to cover it in that much condiment. Mm. Do you want to go get fries? He's not working. I'm not going to eat fries. I'll eat something else there. Do you feel like that? I don't care. I'll eat anything. Let's discuss it. Discuss where we're going to have lunch today? Yeah, it's part of this food breaking it down episode. Breaking it down, breaking it down, breaking it down. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Specifically breaking it down with Chad and Alex, the sponsors of our podcast today, Jack Daniels, American Almond Beef. Please check them out. They're unbelievable. Truly are. Truly, the filet mignons, butter. And I'm looking at this bag of jalapeno Jack Links. You're 13 minutes late on eating that. I know, and I'm still like fasting. But I'm wondering like if I eat this, will it mess up my lunch now if we're going to lunch? Are we going to lunch? Yes. Where? We're going to come back on another episode and let you guys know where we ate lunch after we broke down food and lunch and all of these different aspects. Let's go douse something with hot sauce. <laughs> you want to go have condiment? I mean, lunch. <laughs> want to go have condiments? Thank you all for listening. Tom, Jake, what what, what, what food song? Zach Brown song. chicken fries. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, let's go out. This is Zach Brown, our buddy Zach Brown. Little bit of chicken fried. Jake, hit that button. This is Zach Brown. Chicken fried. Thank you all for listening to Breaking It Down. This life ain't for everybody with Chad and Alex. Chicken fried and cold beer on a Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right. And the radio. Up. I like to see the sunrise. See the love in my mama's eyes. Feel the touch of a precious child. And know a mother's love.